Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. My name is Michael Doeys and here this week I'm here with Aliyah Dudley. Hello. And Jason Earls. Hi everyone. All right, so we are on episode 97 of the podcast. That is awesome. You know, we're almost to episode 100, and we have that surprise that we talked about before that will be on episode 100, so keep tuned in for that. So uh, it's going to be a great episode. You know, we've had a lot of good memories on this show and some great outtakes, and uh, we're working on different ways to get that out to you guys. So keep that in mind that that will be coming soon as a premium part of the IACast network. But uh, let's go ahead and get past all that and get right on to the news because we have a lot to talk about. We have new devices, some of us do, here at iAccessibility. Aaliyah, what do you have? I have an Apple Watch, the Series 4. It's shiny. And um, Allison unboxed hers, and it's very much, it's a very nice watch. It's very fast. I updated from the Series 2, and it's a huge speed increase. I just... And I I still have mine, so I'm going to call it the Series Ill. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, it's it's getting so slow that it's starting to become unusable, and it just makes me really sad. Yeah. Quick demo here. You can, even though you can't understand my speech, possibly, some of you can't, but watch this. I can flick through my home screen like this. That does not work on the Series 2. I was going to say, do you want me to demo that so that they can see how well it is? Now, you were doing that through your apps, right? Yes. All right. Indianapolis, 85 degrees, partly cloudy. Age, 85 degrees out, 69 degrees. Wallet. Tune in radio. Oh, God. Wow. Whoa. Messages. I didn't realize how bad it really was. Mine does. Yours does not keep up with your finger swipes at all. Wow. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was worried about how the microphone was going to pick up how fast I was flicking, but it seems to have done it really well. So. Oh, it did. It did a good job on that. But yeah, the Apple Watch Series Ooh is what's on my wrist. So, Aaliyah, what what do you like most about this new device? It's so light, guys. I can't even tell I'm wearing a watch. I mean, the Series 2 wasn't bad. It was light enough, but you could tell that you were wearing a watch and it was kind of kind of heavier than you would like. This is extremely light and thin and really, honestly, very, very nice watch. I love, love, love the speed improvements. I can actually use my apps on my watch and use Siri and use things. My Series 2 was a notification collector and a fitness tracker. That's literally all I used it for because it was so slow. And tell everybody what other massive improvement you found is. Oh, yeah. The Series 4 watches, folks, are 12 gigabytes, not 8. Whoa. Yep. Hence the slight price increase. I betcha that's one of the things. The space increase and the sensors. How big are the cellular ones, though? Because aren't the Series 3 cellular 16 gigs? I hadn't heard that. Um, I would have to go and find out. I will get mine next week, so I'm very excited about that. Hopefully, 
you know, I will get it a week early like I did my new phone, which I will talk about next. Which is the 10s too big. <laughs> yep, the, I got the 10s Max. And this phone, guys, is amazing. It is a huge phone. Let, let's start at that. It is a terribly big phone. It Ladies, is six... don't even think about trying to put it in pockets. Just don't. Right. It is the 10s Max is 6.5 inches. But when you really compare it to the 10, it's mainly taller. It's not much wider. It really isn't, which is interesting. Uh, movies look great on it. I watched a movie last night, and the sound is superior to other iPhones. I mean, it's approaching iPad quality. Maybe not iPad Pro, but you'll get better sound on this iPhone, in my opinion, than you will on any non-Pro iPad. The other advantage is, is that it is huge. It is, you know, 1.5 inches smaller than an iPad mini screen. Subway sandwich. Yes, it is the size of a Subway sandwich. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're low vision, the other nice thing about this device is the text is bigger and bigger keyboard. And I could, you know, somebody out there in podcasting world, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they use the color screens that Samsung typically uses because the colors pop out a bit more. Reds are more red. Greens are more green, even compared to the tin screens. So I'm a huge fan of this phone. Pictures are more stunning. You could pick out things in the pictures more. And the camera just looks very nice. So uh, this, in my opinion, is one of the best iPhones that they have released. And this is coming from me who loved the tin. I'm just a huge fan of this huge phone and I cannot wait to do some amazing video recording with it. I got the 512 gig and it's kind of crazy because I've downloaded six to eight movies or more on it and I've only used 150 gigs of or 112 gigs of the uh, space available on the phone. Too big, too big, too big for wallet, too big for pocket, just too big. I'm sorry. I just, I can't deal with a phone that huge. You know, the interesting thing is it's not much, like I said, it's not much wider than the 10. So any pocket the 10 fits in should fit this phone. Yeah, except for if you're a lady and you got shallow pockets and you had to kind oh, of yeah. turn the, the 10 sideways. Yeah. No. The, the height is the issue there. We have a hard enough time fitting phones in pockets anyway. Let alone that giant monstrosity. But guys, keep this in mind. You know, we're used to smaller iPhones, but Android users, you know, who use the Note are used to phones being that big, if not bigger. Do not speak of Samsung on this show. <laughs> I'm upset with them. So uh, that Note 9 is a nice phone, but this iPhone truly is amazing. And we're... We, you know, we'll talk about this later, but with the in introduction of shortcuts now, it's incredible what you can do with your phone. And I'm not even just talking about Siri shortcuts, just the shortcuts app and what it allows you to do is very underwritten 
in Apple News and different places online. So we are trying to fix that and really show off what this app can do. So we have created a category, and we'll talk about that later. But it's such an integral part of what I do on my iPhone. I can stop, you know, services here at iAccessibility, like our streams, restart Team Talk, all that from my iPhone. It's amazing. And so the 10s, 10s Max are nice phones. Now, keep this in mind. Shortcuts is available on all iOS 12 running smartphones. So, and iPads. And iPads, uh, yes. No, I th then is it just Siri yeah. shortcuts that aren't available on the older phones? Then I've seen Siri shortcuts work on um, 5s's. Interesting, because well, I thought couldn't... I read that it was only iPhone. That's Te what I heard. Technically, couldn't you download shortcuts on any phone that's able to access the App Store because it's just an upgrade workflow? You would think so, but and I did for sure run shortcuts from Test Flight in iOS 11. But when you go to download it from the App Store, the App Store version says it requires iOS 12. Ooh, so is workflow still a thing? Can you still get workflow for those who can't go up? You know, I would have to look on a device that is running 11 to find out. Yeah, because the only thing I have is an iPod Touch 3rd Gen that's running iOS 5 or 6. So <laughs> That won't work. Uh, until <laughs> I could test that, I'm not sure, but possibly not. That would stink, and that would be a huge disservice to people with older devices. But those devices would have to be pretty old. I mean, it would have to be a 5C or older. Yeah, I'm just saying that most apps, I mean, think about iPads, especially. A lot of people hang on to older iPads. Right. And so, you know, you think about they don't want to upgrade that because it works just fine, but they may have some workflows that they're used to running. Right. Now they can't. Well, here's the thing. If they're used to running workflows, you can still get to your purchased and download your version of workflow. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I just, the it just is disappointing. But I have a feeling, just like other apps, it would, you know, they could still search for workflow or shortcuts. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure. It's really a good question. But we, these are the devices we have. But there are so many more devices that have come out. And we'll link to them in the show notes, but let's kind of go through what has come out this week. First off, non-device related, is the Windows 10 October update. This is really exciting news, folks, because this update allows for narrator users to use many of the same keystrokes that JAWS users or NVDA users use. So narrator key and T will read your title bar. You know, there's so you'll, you can also use narrator key and the number one on the number row to turn on keyboard help mode, which is really cool so that you can learn the keyboard just like, you know, in JAWS. There's a lot more than that, but just those are some examples of how narrator is now very similar to other screen readers. What I also like is magnifier has a feature where you can turn on a mode to keep the mouse centered, which is more like what Zoom Text and Zoom on the Mac will do. So 
I love that. It's very useful for me, and it's a very good feature. And they also added a new feature to make Windows more like the iPhone, where you have a slider that you can use to make text size bigger, and so you can increase the text size system-wide. So accessibility-wise, those are some amazing features. But Jason, you found out about a bug they had in the final build of uh, Windows 10 October update. So care to elaborate on that? Yes. So as I understand it, the bug was also existent in the Insider builds. Unfortunately, it ended up somehow making it to the official release, but a lot of people were experiencing battery drain issues with the latest version of Windows 10, the October update, as well as issues that resulted in the deletion of people's personal uh, files, stuff in their user folders and things. So it appears that Microsoft, for the time being, has temporarily pulled the October update. So hopefully by the time the show drops, there will be a new updated version to replace it and all will be well again. And it's interesting because I did not experience that myself on my uh, Surface. But again, these are betas, guys, so you never know. I will go ahead and put this out here because it's important. But if you want to learn more about this update, this at the week of this recording, or the previous week, uh, I believe it's October 5th, ACB Main Menu did a show highlighting all of the features with folks from Microsoft and uh, Janine Stanley, who, who has been on the podcast and uh, the podcast, and myself. So it's a very good show. It shows a lot of information about the update and uh, very excited to have been part of that. So um, check that out. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. So Microsoft came out with several devices this past week, which is really exciting. We have a new Surface Pro, the Surface Pro 6, the a new Surface laptop model, and a new Surface Studio. I'm not sure the specs on all these, but we'll link to them in the show notes. But you know, always new hardware is a good thing. But I think the thing that has Jason possibly jumping up and down is the new Surface headphones. I wouldn't say that I'm jumping up and down per se, but I do think it's really cool that Microsoft is releasing their own wireless headphones because, I mean, it's it kind of makes sense. All these manufacturers are starting to remove the headphone jack from their devices, whether it's because they're trying to copy Apple or whether it's because they have courage, I don't know. But the point is they're removing the <laughs> headphone jacks from these devices. <laughs> I had to go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well done. But <laughs> but yeah, so they're, they're, they're removing the headphone jacks from these devices and, you know, they realize that people are still going to need and want to use headphones. So it's interesting that manufacturers are now realizing that headphones are, I don't know if they would be classified as the next big thing, but they are definitely an important thing that I think the companies realize, hey, maybe we should get in on this because we're the ones removing the headphone jacks and headphones are going to sell. So um, that's that, that's really awesome. As I understand it, the headphones support Bluetooth 5? And they have like, what was it, 13 different levels of, of noise cancellation, which is kind of cool it, that it's not just on and off. You can customize it, which is, again, really cool. You guys know anything else about them? That was all I had read about them. I know I want to hear them. Yeah, basically that's it for me too. They look like they are around ear. 
headphones. So it looks like they are to compete with the Studio 3s and the QC35s. And Interesting. And also, I believe their price point is the same at $350. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I, I seem to remember reading that they charge via USB-C. They have Cortana on them as well. Ooh. So, interesting sounding stuff. I well, we hope it's interesting sounding. We haven't heard the headphones now. yet. but Michael wants a pair of these now. Oh, boy. But, you know, I still love the technology that I've gotten. So... You know, we're going to get a, a update this week, but let me ask you all this. We're going to get a Google update on new hardware this week, but what do you guys think now that it's October, you know, we're, we're coming up to, you know, the second full week in October, what are y'all's thoughts on an iPad event for the end of the year still? Well, I read uh, somewhere that Apple had kind of leaked AirPods 2, and I bet we're going to get new iPads too. As well. Not iPad 2s. No. We're going to get new iPads as well. And I think I think we'll see them before the end of the year. I mean, there was the education I... event in the beginning of the year. But I think especially new iPad Pros. We'll see. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's probably, if it's going to be anything, it'll be iPad Pros. Which I think will be really nice. I mean, I kind of enjoy the fact that my iPad right now is still technically the latest iPad Pro that Apple I know, has, but me then it'll too. be updated. <laughs> I know. <laughs> At least sad. it'll still sound amazing. And have a headphone jack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I think that the iOS 12 changes that have been made to the iPad have kind of hinted at what some of the new features for the Pros are going to be. I think we can all pretty much agree that it's most likely going to have Face ID, just like the new iPhones. And I, I, I think that's a good thing. I really do. I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do. I mean, since it is October, it's getting closer and closer to my birthday. So anybody who wants to donate to the Jason Needs a New iPad Fund, just kidding. Well, um. I mean, my birthday was at the end of September. So, like, if you totally forgot, I understand. Just, you know. Well, Donations and, welcome. And my birthday is at the end of November, <laughs> which is also a great time of year for all the device backorder times to have slipped back to nothing. So, yeah, it's a great time of year to want new tech. Anyway, the reason why I asked the question is because we're coming into the second week of October. I have, as far as I've heard, we have not had invites go out to the media for an event so, do y'all think if they do drop them, it'll be quiet, or do you think there will be an October event? It may be kind of quiet, because we did just have an event. Yeah. And Both I think, would not surprise me, though. I think, well, man, I think if they're doing what they might be doing and removing the headphone jack off of a pro model iPad, don't get me started, but <laughs> maybe they're trying to avoid the rage. But let's, I hope they don't do that because a pro level device should have a headphone jack. Of course, we're talking to the people that, you know, took all the USB-A ports away from a pro level device, the MacBook Pro, and put USB-C ports when nobody's fully adopted USB-C for their computers yet. So, you know, anything's possible, but I would be really upset if we had no more headphone jack. No more home button? Can totally deal with that. Not a big deal. 
Oh, yeah. Face ID, perfect. Wonderful. But leave my headphone jack alone on my pro-level iPad, thank you. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so the other news that we have... See, I told you guys we had a lot of news today. And that is Google is announcing the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 3 XL this week. And we already know everything about it. <laughs> no mystery there. I mean, there was even a... I saw an article in Apple News that said... Yeah, it's already being sold in Hong Kong at a at a store, so it's kind of funny. Whoa. Yeah, it basically what we know is Google has adopted Apple's view of the notch. So this phone has a notch, but when we say a notch, we're talking about two lines of text notch. Whoa, that's big. Like the status bar, then some. Wow. Which I personally wonder how that would go because, you know, the notch covering the status bar makes sense, right? But I guess I, I just wonder how the Android interface that, you know, has one line for status bar then goes right down into the action and toolbars is going to work. That just kind of boggles me unless that whole thing's being used for a status bar, which is kind of some wasted space. So I'm going to be very interested to see how they solve some of those problems. Well, I thought notch support was already built into Pi anyway. Yeah, it is, but two-line notch support. So you have two lines of notch, and I just wonder how that's going to, you know, visually work. So they're going to finally get into the uh, 21st century and give us wireless charging on these pixels? I have heard that's the rumor. I it I I don't know. I do not know. It'd be nice. It does not look like the back is glass. Oh. But I hope it is for their sake. They need to get that going. Yep. Uh HTC I believe is making these phones now that it's a Google subsidiary. So uh that will be interesting. The other thing that they are doing that I don't like that every phone is doing now. That's Android or iOS. Well, actually not the uh, 10R, I don't believe. Uh, is the double camera support, where it has two lenses. The Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL will not have that support. So that's also kind of a meh feature loss there. Well, even the 10R supposedly has software to kind of duplicate. Yeah, and, and, and that's what Google is saying, is that they have software to duplicate. But how close is that software? Yeah. To because those, that's what I want to know. Because here's the thing: those phones with the the dual camera lenses have that software too. <laughs> well, what about all these Android phones that have like five cameras and all these crazy numbers of cameras nowadays? It's like, let's you know what we should put in a new phone, y'all. I think if we want to be successful, we can have crappy cases, crappy guts. Crappy battery life, but as long as we have 600 cameras, we're good to go, y'all. <laughs> they gotta be good cameras. You know, like... 15 megapixels and more. Yeah. Apple's still using 12, which I'm quite happy with. So... What I want to know is, does a dual camera setup versus a single camera setup, does it really make that much of a difference when using apps like LookTel or KNFB Reader or Seeing AI? LookTel... Well, I guess Money Reader does still work, but... Well, the thing is, Seeing AI and other apps have to take advantage of that, which, believe it or not, guys, Seeing AI does not. Seeing AI does not support any 
optical or uh, digital zoom, come to find out. No, there's no zoom in any of those blindness camera apps. So, but we will find out more officially about the Pixel 3 on Tuesday. So we'll talk about that more next week that we record. So that's going to be exciting. I will probably still stick with the Pixel line whenever I upgrade my Android phone next year. But it's kind of disappointing that they're not keeping up with the rest of the market of phones. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying for a while that I can't stand my Galaxy phone. I'm going to get away from the Samsung atmosphere as quickly as I can. I don't know what that's going to mean for me. But if I go out and get a new phone, which I might, you know, for testing purposes, get something... I need something that's going to stay abreast of the software, not take a year and a half or almost, two or two to get the next iteration. I'm not I'm not going to do that again. I'm also not going to sell myself short by buying a phone that is that doesn't work in some of its, you know, features that really sold it. So like Samsung Pay, there's an authentication screen that's completely inaccessible with either TalkBack or Voice Assistant, because of the way that it was built. Those services don't work, and that's unacceptable. I won't, I won't go buy a phone that's not fully accessible to me, including all of the features. I don't want my phone to tell me, in order to use this, me- this feature, you must turn off TalkBack or Voice Assistant, whatever it is. No, I'm sorry. We are not in the days of the old LG phones with the, you know, menus and other than and setting screen speaking but nothing else we're not in those days anymore well it's it's almost like i it kind of would make me feel like they're saying oh well because you have a disability and i say it this way because as i understand it it's not just voice assistant it's other accessibility features too so it almost feels like they're saying oh okay so because you have a disability you probably aren't going to be able to use these services anyway so we're just not going to make them work and I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with that either. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the news segment for today. We've had quite a bit of news, so we will go ahead and move on and take a break for just a second and talk about something that is very important to us. So we've been very <clears throat> impressed by what Apple has done by purchasing the Workflow app and creating the Shortcuts app. And they have allowed integration with iOS to do so many advanced things that now make iPhone and iPads more like computers. Would y'all agree on that? Or do y'all think it's still kind of short? I think it's still a little short. Honestly, until we have a real, like the files app's okay, but until we have something kind of like a finder or a file explorer that's not i don't know i just feel like it's not quite what we need you know what i'm saying like i don't know yeah i would completely agree like you know one of the things i envision was with files for instance attaching a smart keyboard case to an ipad and being able to up and down arrow highlight files command up arrow command down arrow just like you can on the mac and that's not there and i know that's if it were there, that could be some of the things you could use shortcuts to automate, I think, because you can do some of that stuff with Automator on a Mac, and it's sort of the same thing, right? Well, you can actually do that already. You can automate stuff in the Files app. You can 
you know, open different files, save different files. So there's just, you can only do them with Siri or from your home screen or from a share sheet. Uh, there's no actual system, you know, driven things. But the thing about it is, is that this allows you to do things on your phone that you could not do before. And so, or on the iPad. And it allows you to really take your phone and iPad, your iOS device, to new heights of success. You could do things and automate things that you could only do on the computer. I mean, I've made shortcuts that take quite a bit of time to do on the computer. Like, we can restart all of our TeamTalk 5 servers if there's a server crash or if something's not working right. I could just go on my phone, tap one button, and do these things. That's incredible to me. I can go in and import a video and convert it to audio. That's amazing to me. All these things you could do on the computer, but it takes a lot longer to me. And this is just a lot more integrated, a lot quicker. And some of these things you could even do with your voice. I have a little script that will speak your internal and external IP addresses. Now, something interesting with that is if you're not on Wi-Fi, it will read your external IP address, you know, that you have on the network for Verizon or AT&T. But it will also read your internal in-network IP address, which I didn't think you could get access to. Oops. So, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you could do that. So, the power that you have with these shortcuts is amazing. I'm working on a lot more and because these things are so amazing apple has a thing called the gallery and it's where they put the most common and useful shortcuts but there are only so many and so we at iaccessibility came up with a category on the website and a shortcut itself called beyond the gallery and with this shortcut and category you can find shortcuts that people have made online and that we've made and download those right to your phone. It's really awesome. So if you install the shortcut itself, you can tap on that. It'll bring up a list of all the shortcuts that we've built. And with from there, you could download each shortcut. So I'm really excited about it. I hope you tell your friends about it. And, you know, send us your ideas for shortcuts at feedback at iaccessibility.net. And we would love to make them. I'm enjoying the challenge. And... After this recording of the show, we're going to stick around after taking a break and record a demo on how to use the Shortcuts app, a basic demo on how to make a basic shortcut. Then on Tuesday, we will come back with the IA Codecast, and we will show you how to do more advanced shortcuts. So stay tuned for that. All kinds of good stuff. All right, it's time for our main topic this week, and that is to talk about the way we use our devices, different ways that, you know, when we pick up a computer, when we pick up a phone, how do we use them? You know, some people on a phone will use Explore by Touch or Flick completely, or, you know, on a computer, some people prefer VoiceOver for the VoiceOver cursor experience, navigation experience, and some people prefer JAWS. And if you're visual, some people prefer magnifier, some zoom text. So let's start off by talking about our mobile preferences. So, Aaliyah, when you're on your iPhone or iPad, are you a flicker or do you explore by touch or how do you primarily use your device? It really depends 
on and I love how my watch started talking right in the middle of that. You know, it was like, my turn, my turn, my turn. Anyway, it depends on the app that I'm in. And a lot of times if I really know what I'm looking for, I'm going to do explore by touch much faster. If I know where it is, for example, my phone app is in the bottom left corner, I'm going to go grab it. I'm not going to flick through. Also in settings, I tend to use three finger scrolls and explore by touch to find what I need and double tap it in a new app. If I can't find something, it's a lot better and a lot more educational for me to be able to explore by touch around the screen and find the information that's there because some things aren't going to be in the natural in the in the flick order as it were and so you need to be able to to find those and to get familiar with the app so that you can be productive and quick with it now for example in mail i do not use explore by touch very much i use mostly flicking same as in messages the only thing is in the conversations list in messages, I'll drag my finger down to look for a particular conversation or I'll touch near the bottom of the screen when in a conversation to see the last message. Okay. And Jason, how about you? I don't actually use any devices. I just sit around. No, I <laughs> I use uh, when I'm using my phone and my iPad. I find that on my iPad, I tend to use my keyboard for a lot of things which kind of surprises me i figured i would use it for mostly typing quickly changing navigation modes when i'm browsing the web you know telling voiceover to look for links or headings or whatever as opposed to the rotor which i do but i i, I find i use it in apps almost like my mac but i also find that i will touch around the screen when i when i'm on a web page on both my phone and on my iPad, because I can very quickly find the start of, say, an article that way, and it, it really just speeds things up, and um, so that's kind of what I do. I do find that when I do use a completely touch experience, um, I I tend to flick a lot, but I also will explore by touch. As Aaliyah was saying in settings, I will definitely explore around the screen, scroll uh, with three fingers and um, do all that stuff because it really does speed things up when you know where things are. And I tend to flick in new apps, but I will also explore the screen once I flicked around the screen once or twice. Yeah, I I, I guess that's basically it. I mean, I, I also will touch, I will explore by touch when I'm in mail as far as going through my message lists. I will drag my finger down the screen same thing if I'm looking at like a list of files or things like that. In news, I tend to flick a lot. I'll touch the screen to get approximately where I need, and then I'll flick through stories, especially on the iPad. I'll touch the screen because if you have your iPad in landscape mode, which mine, actually, I think it might do this in portrait as well. I'm not sure. But if you have it in landscape mode, as I tend to do a lot of the time, you have the table of contents on the left, and if you're just flicking and then you go back a story, you'll end up having to flick through the whole table of contents, and that just slows things down. So, Okay, and for me, I use things, you know, since I'm low vision, I'll use magnifier. I use a full screen magnifier on the computer and on uh, iOS and Android, so I do a lot of tracking to 
figure out where things are. I've gotten so good at it that I don't have to lose orientation or focus. So I mainly do a lot of flicking and touching of tapping of items, a lot of three finger double taps and on Android tapping three times with one finger to zoom in and out. But when I'm using the keyboard, it's just tapping. Now for me personally, and this is important for a lot of low vision folks, I will use speech to read uh, long passages of text because that makes it easier than having to scroll through all of that. So now when you do that, are you using select to speak or are you using like voiceover? I use it, um, what's called speak screen. So I'll do a two finger flick or, down. Yeah, speak screen. That's not part of voiceover. And uh, just do that. One of the shortcuts I might make, though, will get an article from a web page and just speak the article so it doesn't have to speak everything, which is nice. So, you know, one of the things that is interesting is Explore by Touch as a term actually came from Android. I never really heard about it from iOS. It's It was done, but the term Explore by Touch, I'd never really heard until Android. But when iOS came out and VoiceOver came out, you know, flicking was important, yes, but I always liked the iOS experience because it allowed for people to get a good representation of where objects were or are on a web page or in an app. So that if somebody decided to say, hey, that button's on the top right, you could know, oh, I just moved my hand up to the top right. And it's not like JAWS or, you know, voiceover on Mac where you had to go to each, you know, tabbing on JAWS and VO right arrow on Mac. You could just do, you know, find things just as if somebody with vision could. So Now that's not altogether true because a trackback commander on the Mac, you can do a similar thing. Well, when I started doing, you know, when the iPhone came around, trackpad commander was not a thing. So, you know, when they added that, yes, that that is true. But I know a lot of voiceover users still do not use trackpad commander. And I am one of them. I just, I don't like the experience of using trackpad commander if I'm trying to get a spatial sense of an application versus touching on a like full-fledged touchscreen. It just, it doesn't feel as natural, I guess, to me. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I've not used it enough to know, but I know a lot of users don't use it, but I think it's great that it's there. So that kind of brings us on to the computer area, the PC and Mac. So Aliyah, which method do you prefer? Like the Mac way of navigating the computer or the PC and, and <laughs> different things there? I love the Mac method of navigation as far as I wish uh, without quick nav that you could just use your arrow keys and navigate. But is a minor trade-off for the benefits of using the Mac and iOS cursor tracking method, which I love. It's just, it's so much easier to understand than Windows, in my opinion. But it, I I just, I'm, I'm more comfortable with the Mac methods, which is weird because I spend, and have spent the majority of my time on Windows machines. But I like my Mac much more. And Jason, how about you? I'm pretty much the same as Aaliyah. I mean... I, I don't know what it is about 
the way voiceover navigates on the Mac versus the way Windows screen readers navigate. Even if you try to use object navigation in a Windows screen reader, it still doesn't quite seem the same to me as voiceover on the Mac. Uh, because as I understand the way it works, that's what's happening when you're via right arrowing. You're basically going from one object to the next, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and it just it doesn't feel the same in Windows to me, and I, I don't I can't really explain why. I like I like the idea of interacting with things on the screen to an extent. I think sometimes on the Mac it goes a little overboard, but in general I like the idea. Like if I don't want to see items in a toolbar, I don't have to. I just won't interact with it depending on how voiceover settings are set up. And like you, Aaliyah, I do wish that we could use arrow keys all the time. I wish there was a way to be able to... I kind of wish voiceover had a sort of Windows screen reader command-ish type layout that you could use. So you could use like H and shift H to go by headings and L and shift L or K and shift K for instance, to go by links like you can in Windows. And you can to an extent with keyboard and the uh, keyboard commander plus, sorry, quick nav and the web keyboard commands. But it's still, it's, I don't know. I, I wish there was a way we could just eliminate that stuff. But I'm rambling. But overall, I do like the way the keyboard navigation works better on the Mac than in Windows. Aside from the fact that Windows gives you hotkeys like Alt-N for next and Alt-I for install that the Mac doesn't give you. So basically for me it okay I'll be honest I like the PC method the best Traitor. for <laughs> for the keyboard Traitor. Uh, Traitor. Now get off on, the show <laughs> Now on my Mac I prefer the mouse for zoom and for magnification currently just because of how smooth the experience is and now you know with the october update they're getting there and i love you know i love what they've done and it makes windows so much better of an experience for keyboard and mouse but you know if i'm creating or if i'm doing different things i still prefer my mac's trackpad uh, but if i'm using the keyboard the with a screen reader, the JAWS narrator and NVDA methods are, just make a lot more sense to me. All right. So do you guys have any other comments that we want to talk about before we wrap up today? I think our founder has lost his marbles. He likes Windows better. That's my comment. Again, only for certain things. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. My comment is, I agree. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> we're teasing we're teasing yes well maybe we're teasing yeah. but no seriously i um i think that every navigation method has its advantages and its disadvantages and i'm glad that we do have options i'm glad that we do have different ways of navigating our devices available to us you know take trackpad commander on the mac for instance even though i don't use it very often it is nice because in some ways, it does help somebody who mainly has had like an iOS device at first, who just may have trouble memorizing a lot of the voiceover commands. They don't have to. They can just use the rotor and navigate by headings and links and words and everything else that you have in the Mac rotor, since you can't 
customize it, I don't think, which is sad. But and it's 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 just nice that we have these options. It's it's great that people are able to discover what works best for them, and that's the important thing in the end, I think. Yeah, and and here's the thing: we're not trying to tell you how to use your computer. What this was supposed to be for is to kind of give you some examples of how we, as technology, uh, would I would call us all professionals here, use our computers effectively and our mobile devices to get things done, and so that way you can know. You know, I might be using it this certain way, but if I did this, you know, and was more efficient by doing this, then I would be a more effective computer user. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the IACast. So, as usual, we have picks and contact info. So, Jason, why don't you go first with your pick and where can people find you? So, my pick is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy audio drama. It was done by the BBC Radio Workshop, and it's got amazing voice acting. Douglas Adams actually helped produce the drama, and he also plays one of the characters, which is really cool, I think. And uh, it's 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 really good. It's really it seems very disconnected in the beginning, but obviously everything fits together in the end, and it all uh, kind of works out. And I love the music. And it's actually cool because if you watch the movie, they uh, use the same sort of piece. It's just, you know, more orchestrated in the movie. So, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. And this is all because you finished reading the James Potter books, right? Well, sort of. I mean, I've, I've read the I've I've read I've listened to the audio drama before. It had just been a while. So I'm I'm sort of not exactly rediscovering it, but sort of ish rediscovering and I needed something else. So, but it's, it's really, really good. I think they did a really good job with the voice acting, really good job with the effects. It's, 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 it's just good. So as far as where people can find me, people can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JDE, that's Juliet Delta Echo 91. All right, Aaliyah, where can people find you and what's your pick? My pick is, well, this little thing on my wrist. And, uh, you know. Is it called love? Yeah, it helps me with the time. It even vibrates. It's called the Apple Watch. Yeah, I I spent a lot of time, you know, talking about this earlier, but, you know, I am a huge, huge fan. And it's it's leaps and bounds from where this, the original Apple Watch was when it came out. And it's so much more usable now. And I just, I think it's, it's a great product. And uh, I won't beat it to death. But uh, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowgirl199. And I will add this to what Aaliyah has said. There was an outtake at the beginning of this show where we had both Apple Watches vibrating, one on the left channel, one on the right. So... We thought it was so funny sounding that we're going to insert that in right 
here. So I thought that was completely completely hilarious, and I thought it was so funny. We had to put it in the actual show. It's a base so, test. Yeah, it's a base test. So uh, you can use this episode of the podcast to test your speakers. So in that you cool? actually can't. But, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, but, to an extent, anyway. Yeah, but it's still hilarious. Get... It yeah. is so funny. So we had to add it. It is, you know, we don't do a lot of jokes, but we we. It was it was too amazing, so we we had to put it in there. So, all right, I Mike. Know, I think we're always serious. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Siri. The Siri. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the thing yeah, from the yeah. 10 podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, my pick of the week is my new tech toy, and that is the iPhone XS Max. I'm really a big fan of this phone. He's a big fan of the big phone. Yeah, big fan of the big phone. It's huge. It's amazing. The sound is great. I watched uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp on it last night. Great movie. The sound was great. And honestly, it is a phone I would watch movies on repeatedly. And the gra- the screen is amazing. The graphics are great. Highly recommend it. I mean, the tin was a great phone, and they've only made it better. So you could find me producing content for iAccessibility while on my nice big phone. And you can find me on Twitter. Just search for Mike Doeys. I'm on Facebook. Just search for Michael Doeys. You can email me at MikeDoeys at iAccessibility.net. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And I'm all over the web and on my personal website at MichaelDoeys.com which kind of needs to be updated. All right, if you want to find iAccessibility, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. If you want to find us on Facebook, just search for iAccessibility. You can leave us feedback by emailing feedback at iAccessibility.net. And we're all over the web at different uh, social platforms. Just search for us on Google. We also have our iAccessibility app, and we have so many things you know, in the works so check us out online. You know, I could go through a lot more of what we have, but, you know, if you go to those things that we told you about, you will find us. So it's very exciting what we're up to. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I want to thank everybody for being here, everybody on the stream, and everybody who has uh, listened to our episodes in the past and who will listen to us and who are subscribed to the podcast now. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the IA Cast. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, LLC.